rainy outside, but uh, it's good to see the joy of the Lord on your faces today. Open your Bibles with me this morning to Matthew chapter 6. I want you to mark Matthew chapter 6, and then you'll probably need to look into the Old Testament into a book called Haggai. And if you're like me sometimes, you may have to use your table of contents. And can I tell you, that's okay. You have my permission to use your table of contents to find Haggai. That's not a book that many people read from or know much about, but we'll be going to Haggai chapter 1 today as well. So if you'll mark those two places, that will be great. When I was a teenager, I had a job. And that's where you should say, well, good for you, Pastor. Jobs are good for you when you're a teenager, right? Can we all say amen? Uh, All you teenagers, you listening, having a job is good for you. Amen. All right. I had a job, and I worked at Burger King. And at Burger King, you get your Whopper your way. And I learned how to make a Whopper. As a matter of fact, I was so invested in my job and doing a great job, I actually could make a Whopper faster than the manager could. The manager didn't like that because we would time it. And I'd be able to make a Whopper from the time I took it off of the little conveyor to the time it was wrapped and going out in 17 seconds. He didn't like it because his was 21 seconds. So I was working at Burger King. And then I had a lapse in judgment. I went from the kingdom of Burger King to the kingdom of McDonald's, and I was employed by both of them at the same time. I actually worked at the McDonald's that's over here off of Dawsonville Highway, and at the time it was the Rock and Roll McDonald's. Had Elvis Presley and had all the 50s. Yeah, yeah, y'all remember that McDonald's. I I may have fixed you a hamburger, and they did things a lot different at McDonald's. So I was working at the kingdom of McDonald's and the kingdom of Burger King all at the same time, employed by both companies and getting a check from both of them. You know what I did one day? I was running the drive-thru at Burger King. And I said, welcome to McDonald's. And the guy at the drive-thru, he had a great sense of humor, thank God. He, he said, well, I was going to order a Whopper, but since you offered, I'll have a Big Mac instead. And, and uh, uh, my supervisor was standing next to me when I did that. <laughs> my supervisor knew I was working in both kingdoms. I was in, in McDonald's, and I was also in Burger King, and, and they were, they were uh, patient with me. I eventually left the kingdom of McDonald's and the kingdom of Burger King and just became, uh, I went and got another job. But I was divided in that moment, and I had forgotten where I was, and I was offering people something that was not even theirs to have that I couldn't even provide because I was working in both kingdoms, and I was confused. Many of us today are living in that very state because we are trying to keep our feet in two different kingdoms Now, as we get into the scriptures today, I want you to know that this this sermon is not going to be for everyone who's listening. For the one who is going through junk in life, and I mean it's tough, and you got faith and you're moving forward and God is number one and He's in control, and this, this message is not for you, but for the one who is struggling to find the faith, to find the encouragement, to be able to go another step, to just go, God, I don't understand, then this message might be for you, so hold on. And hold tight. 
Today, as we look at this, you may be asking God, why is all this stuff happening in my life? I'd like to ask another question that would apply to all of us. Why is it snowing in California in places it's never snowed before? Why are we experiencing some of the the environmental things that we're experiencing? Man is going to tell you in their kingdom that it's because we have cars and we have too many cows and we've got these things that's called global warming that's causing this climate change that's causing things to happen. I'm going to bring to you something different today and what I think is really going on and we better be paying attention. There is something much bigger when we begin to see nature start doing things it normally doesn't. So we're going to look at that. So hang with me. We're going to get there. God speaks to us many different ways. God speaks to us through His Word. He speaks to us through worship. This morning, some of you were probably spoken to by God because of worship. God speaks to us through our friends and through counsel. He speaks to us in many, many ways. And there is one way that God speaks to us that we don't like. Shaking. Sometimes God will shake us and shake our world for a purpose and for a reason. Yes, our world is fallen and things are just going to happen sometimes, but sometimes God allows some shaking to take place or He brings some shaking on so we will actually start paying attention because we get dull in mind and dull in heart and we miss the real essence of what God has for us. This morning, I want to read one verse out of Matthew chapter 6 and then we're going to go to Haggai. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says this, But seek first, somebody say that with me, but seek first. Let's say it again. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Go with me to Haggai chapter 1. Haggai chapter 1. Now this prophet is set during the time, many of you may be familiar with the book of Ezra, where she actually was the lady who, Esther, sorry, Esther, where Esther was able to save an entire nation. Because Darius the king, this is during the same time period. Haggai is prophesying during this time of Esther, during this time of the children of Israel returning back from being in captivity. This is a post exilic prophet who's coming to give them a word from the Lord. So, to my surprise, and yes, I'm going to be transparent with you, when I read this recently, I was surprised that this prophet was set during the time of Esther. I was like, whoa, wait a minute, is this during the time of Esther? It sure is. I Sometimes I had this preconceived idea that all the prophets had to do with way after David and way after... You know, when, when, when they were a mess and they were all going to go into captivity. This prophet had to do when they were coming back and Esther was going to save all of the nation of Israel. Now, when we get into this book of Haggai, these people have been coming back and they've been putting their lives back together. They've been building their houses and they've been doing some good stuff. But there's one thing wrong. I want us to look in verse 3. It says this. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies desolate? 
What house is he referring to? The house of the Lord, the temple. It had been destroyed. It had been torn down. It was in shambles and it was a mess. And the Lord's asking a very pointed question. We, uh, Tim read earlier from, from Second Chronicles words that said, the, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. This house that God is referring to is a house where God would be worshipped, He would be preeminent, and it would be a witness to God's character and who He was. Do you, do you hear me? This building, this temple, was going to be a witness of God's character and who He was. But it was in shambles. And the people were ignoring the condition of the temple. Verse 3 again, Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies desolate? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. This message today, if I was to give it a different title, would be this. Consider your ways. Because this is, a, this is something the Lord is saying to these people. Consider your ways. Verse 6. You have so much, but harvest little. You eat, but there is not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there is not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing. But no one is warm enough. And he who earns, earns wages to put into a purse with holes. Your translation may read a little different there in those different things. And, and mine has a lot of italics, meaning that they added some things so I could read it and understand it better. But here's the essence of what the Lord is saying. You keep working hard. You keep making money. You keep doing the things of your everyday life. And you keep coming up short. Anybody ever feel like you came up short? Sometimes you, you, you just don't have enough money to pay your bills. You work hard, and as quick as it comes in, it goes right back out the back door. You try to make a harvest, you try to get food, and as quick as you get it, it seems to be gone. These people, this stuff was happening, and they didn't stop long enough to consider, but God is drawing their attention to it, saying, Consider this. Here's what's happening. Let's go a little farther. Verse 7, the Lord of hosts says to consider your ways. But I want you to jump. Jump down to verse 9. You look for much, but behold, it comes to little. You're looking for a lot to happen, but nothing is happening. When you bring it home, I blow it away. Why, declares the Lord, why are these things happening? Why do we keep doing good stuff to take care of our families and to take care of the stuff around us? We can't seem to be working hard. We're being good employees. We're being good fathers or mothers or, or students or whatever. And it just seems we're getting nowhere. We're stuck on a hamster wheel and we're spinning. We're on a treadmill trying to run down the road, but we're going nowhere. Why do we feel this way? Let's see what God says. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house which lies in desolate while each of you runs to his own house. Therefore, because of you, the sky was withheld, has withheld its dew and the earth has withheld its produce. 
I called for a drought on the land, on the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine, on the oil, on what the ground produces, on men, on cattle, and on all the labor of your hands. This world wants you to believe and to think that the spiritual side of life has nothing to do with what's going on in the environment. But I believe, I am convinced by Scripture, by looking around, that God is trying to get people's attention and they need to consider this. They're running on a wheel, they're trying to get somewhere and they're going nowhere. They're not able to produce because every time they do it seems like it's going. Every time we get a raise, it goes away. Could it be that God's trying to get our attention? Could it be that there is something that's being neglected? See, in the book of Haggai, it was the house of God, which points to the character of God, the person of God, the worship of God, that spiritual side of life. I am convinced, I'm a dichotomist, and if you want to know what that means, you can ask me after the service. I'm a dichotomist. I believe there is a body, mind, soul, and spirit. And unless those four things are working in harmony, in health, you will not be a healthy individual. You cannot take your spiritual side of your life and set it on a shelf and only pick it up on Sunday morning when you come to church looking for God to do something big in your life because your life is a mess. That is neglecting your spiritual life. You will not live a healthy life living like that. All four aspects must be healthy your mind, your body, your soul, and your spirit. But we often neglect the spiritual. We reserve it for spiritual moments. We reserve it for church. We reserve it for Bible study. We reserve it for when things aren't going the way we like it and we need to call on God and expect Him to fix it because, I mean, He's a good God. He's just going to do good stuff, right? Let me tell you, the Bible just declared that He will bring calamity into your life. He will shake your kingdom. As a matter of fact, know this, write this down. God shakes the kingdom that can be shaken to reveal the kingdom that cannot be shaken. Did you hear me? God will shake the kingdom that can be shaken so that the real kingdom that cannot be shaken will be revealed and be able to be seen. That's what God does here in Haggai. He's making it very clear. You need to pay attention. There's a reason why you're, you're spinning on the wheel and you don't seem to get anywhere. Consider this. So I bring to you today those words. Consider this. Could it be that God's trying to get our attention? Could it be trying to get your attention? Could it be because you have taken the spiritual side of life and just relegated it to church attendance or just reading your Bible or, Pastor, I've been baptized, I'm good. Because let me tell you something. Your spiritual life is so much more than just those simple things. Those are vital. But there's something greater that God wants for us. Let me remind you of Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It says, but seek what? But seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. See, it seems to be a little backwards from the kingdom that we're living in down here on this earth. The earth and the the one who runs this kingdom, which is the devil himself, wants you to think that it's all about getting ahead, getting promotions, having a good bank account, having good clothes, looking right, dressing right, knowing the right people, having the right people in your life around you, doing all these good things, and what happens is we get distracted from what really matters. 
There's nothing wrong with having a great job. There's nothing wrong with pursuing um, being promoted and having a, a, a good bank account, particularly if you want to have a good bank account so you can give and help other people. And anytime that you have this mindset that you think more about what you do Monday through Friday than you do what God is going to do with you on Sunday, then there's a problem with the kingdom that you're working toward. If you're not careful, you're going to say welcome to McDonald's when you're actually supposed to be working for the king. Now, as we get into this, I want to remind you that in 2 Chronicles, Tim also read this, the Lord himself said, I, If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, in other words, if these bad things are coming, they're natural, these things are happening, it says, And my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, and I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sins, and I'll heal their land. We love to grab hold of that last one, don't we? We like to hold on to, man, if we'll just pray and seek God, and man, it, God's going God's to heal our land. But don't miss the fact the whole problem is because God's not number one. He's become second place. Divided mind is what that is. Let's get back to Matthew chapter 6. Haggai is so powerful there. Because they were looking for another king. Just real quick, I just want to remind you, I, uh, I want to read, I skipped a couple of verses, let me go back to them. The Lord tells them in Haggai chapter 1, verse 8, Go up to the mountains, bring wood, and rebuild the temple, that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. What the Lord is declaring there, you need to put me back on the throne that I belong. The king of kings needs to be on the throne, not the pretend king of this world and the pretend king of the one that you saw this morning when you were getting ready for church when you looked in the mirror. Because we often do that. We let ourselves be the king of the kingdom rather than God be the king. As a matter of fact, the greatest enemy, listen to me, the greatest enemy of the kingdom of God is the power we give the distractions in our life. That takes us away from the kingdom of God. See, some of you were probably thinking, oh, the devil, sin, all this. Listen to me. The greatest enemy is the distractions of our life that we give power to to take us away from prioritizing the kingdom of God. Because what happens is you just take a little bit, of, a small step, a small step, a small step, a small step, and before you know it, you're far from the kingdom of God. You don't even realize it. Because we've let distractions take over. So let's talk about his kingdom. His kingdom back in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Jesus declared himself to be the king of the kingdom. Whenever Pilate was asking him questions about who was he and what was going on in John chapter 18, Jesus answered and said, My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. So that lets us know that God's kingdom, his kingdom, is different than the one that we're living in and living around that we're being influenced by. There's two different kingdoms. There's a heavenly kingdom and an earthly kingdom. There's a kingdom of God and a kingdom of man. 
Jesus went on to say, if, I were, if it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate said, so you are a king. Jesus responded, you say I am a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognizes what I say is true. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has, a, has an agenda, a kingdom agenda. Tony Evans, this is, this is powerful. You've got to see this. Tony Evans says, the kingdom agenda is the visible, did you hear me? Visible demonstration of the comprehensive rule of God over every area of life. The kingdom of agenda, the kingdom of God, is the comprehensive rule over every area of life, but it's a visible demonstration of it. It's not just a head knowledge, but it's an action. It is a life that is lived saying that God is on the throne. So when we look in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God <coughs> and wealth. You cannot have two things on the top rung. You cannot have two number ones. There can only be one. So you cannot be serving after money and trying to make all this money in your life and being all of that and putting that before God. A lot of people put that before being at church. A lot of people put convenience before getting up and coming to church. Thank you for being here today and thank you for all those who are watching and who are listening to this. You are putting God first. So please understand that this message, it may speak to somebody, but I'm here to tell you because you have put God first this day, you're putting God's kingdom where it needs to be. Because I can tell you, as the pastor of Chicopee Baptist Church, who's going to be very transparent to you, the time changed last night. I lost an hour of sleep, and I sure would have loved it if we hadn't been having church today. Because I would have slept in. Anybody else? Would anybody else have slept in with me today? You'd have said, yeah, baby, let me just sleep a little longer. Pastor, why didn't you just move church from starting at 11 to 12 o'clock? Because then someone's going to say, well, I'm hungry, it's time to go eat. The flesh, the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of man would say it's too much work, too much trouble. But the kingdom of God, when he's in first place, you go, you know what? It's all about him. It's not about me. I'm going to go. And I, I believe there's some people who, who have been blessed today through the worship and through being here. You've been blessed because you took that opportunity to let him be king. Here's what you need to know about his kingdom. Number one, his kingdom has authority. His kingdom has authority. See, in verse 24, it talks about trying to replace that authority with something else like money. I mean, and money speaks, doesn't it? Money's powerful. I mean, if, if, if I was to ask somebody to come up here, <coughs> excuse me, if I was to ask somebody to come up here and jump up and down and quack like a duck, would I get any volunteers? I don't see a hand going up anywhere. Now, if I stood up here and I had $1,000 that I pulled out and I set it right here on the table 
And I said, if you'll come up here, jump up and down, quack like a duck, I'll give you these 10 $100 bills. I still see somebody going, that's not my price. <laughs> How many of you would come up here for $1,000? See, money's powerful. Ben Mangum was the first one to shoot her hand up. She was like, yeah, baby. Man, I wish he was doing this illustration for real. <laughs> But money is powerful. It will motivate us to do things. How much so should the Son of God who came from heaven to die on a cross for you and I, shouldn't that be motivation for us to live and to let Him reign and rule? But yet we get distracted by the kingdom of this world. Jesus makes it clear you can't have both. See, in Haggai, they had gotten so distracted with the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of man in their own homes, they had forgotten about the kingdom of God. We have to be careful not to let that happen in our life. We have to make sure that the kingdom of God stays first and foremost at the front. His kingdom has authority. Second thing is this, His kingdom has provisions and promises. His kingdom has provisions and promises. Check this out. A lot of times we seek money so that we can provide, right? But let's keep reading verse 25. Jesus said, I didn't write this. Matthew wrote down what Jesus said, okay? So I'm not the one that came up with this. I just want to make that clear. I'm just the letter boy. I'm delivering it today. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat, or what you will drink, not for your body, as to what you will put on, is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? I love what one commentator said, When's the last time you saw a bird worried about where they're going to get food tomorrow? Stressed out because... Do they know where they're going to eat, what they're going to eat? A bird just goes through life, says, I'll wake up tomorrow, and I'll deal with what i got to deal with. I love that perspective. Those birds, the way Jesus is talking, birds are created a little lower than us. As a matter of fact, in Genesis, we know, being in the foundations class, that we were given dominion over all of the creation, and we are greater than the birds, and God created us to have a relationship with us. That's the beauty of it. And who of you, verse 27, and who of you by being worried can add a single hour of his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. God is making it very clear. Jesus himself is making it very clear that sometimes we worry about stuff that we don't need to be worried about. We get distracted by stuff we don't need to get distracted about. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? See, the, the issue of God being on the throne is an issue of faith. It's an issue of trusting his character of who he is, allowing him to be the king of kings. 
Do not worry then saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. God already knows what you need. He's not surprised when you struggle. He's not surprised at the amount of money you've got in your bank. In fact, He knows more about the money that you've got in your bank account than, he, than you do. He knows more about the bills that are coming due. He knows more about your health. He knows more about what's going on in your family than you do. And He is a good God. We've sang about it today. Kenny read about that today. He is a good, good Father. He is good to us. And just the simple essence that He is God is enough to say He is a good God. It doesn't matter even if He did anything else great for me. He's still a good God. Because that good God will give and He will take away. That good God will bless and He will grow. And when we place Him anywhere but on the throne, He will have to shake the world that we think is the most important so that we'll notice and recognize He's not there anymore. See, I would love to come to you today and tell you how, just preach a message on how good God is. But God is a God that will not let you continue in the sin and in the life that you're in when He is not in control. He will do something to get your attention. Because He loves you too much to leave you in the quagmire and the mess of this world. He's got so much more for you. So we need to consider when things are happening in our life, is God trying to get our attention for something? For those of us who are not spending time with the Lord and we're struggling in our faith and we don't prioritize the spiritual in our life, you really need to be asking the question, should I be considering that God's trying to get my attention? Whenever you are engaged with God and those things are happening and stuff is going on, we need to be asking God, what are you trying to tell me? What is it that I need to be learning? How do I need to be growing through this? How do I need to change? God will shake the kingdom that can be shaken so that we can see more clearly the kingdom that cannot be shaken. And that's what He does. But He tells us here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, that we have a choice to make, don't we? What does that first word scream? Continue to seek. Continue on in the decision. Make, make the preparations. Make the plans to continue to seek the kingdom of God. It is a choice we make. We have a choice. If we have a choice to seek God's kingdom, you know what we also have a choice to do? Not to seek God's kingdom and to seek something else, to run after something else. But he says, seek first the kingdom of heaven. Verse number 3, not only have we seen the provisions and the promises and the authority of the kingdom, but verse, verse number 33, we can see the power. Seek first the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. They will be given to you. They will be provided for you. You don't have to run so hard when God is number one. When His truth dictates what truth is, when His way dictates the way you think about something and how you react or respond to something, then you can have the assurance that God's going to provide and do something powerful in all of it. God is powerful. 
When we put God first over all other things, everything else will fall into the right place and proper perspective in our life. Our problem is, is we often put the perspective of all these other things above the perspective of putting God first. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, it says, for tomorrow's got enough worries about itself. This particular passage uses the word worry several different times. And this word, this Greek word for worry, means double-minded, split-minded. You've got a mind over here and a mind over there. You're working for McDonald's and you're working for Burger King all at the same time, and you're not sure exactly how to make the hamburger. Do I put the special sauce on it or do I not? You get confused. Your mind is doubled and you worry. What's going to happen? But when your mind is singly focused, that God's kingdom will be number one in my life. I will seek after that in my political views, in my personal views, and how I run my home, and how I run my bank account, and how I drive my car, and how I wear my clothes, what shirt I put on, Rosa. When, when God dictates to us all things, then He is number one. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's trying to save us some worry and some problems. The kingdom of God is powered by the Spirit of God in order that the Son of God will reign supremely through the kingdom of God in our life. I had to write that down because that was so good, and I'm going to say it again. The kingdom of God is powered by the Spirit of God in order that the Son of God will reign supremely through the kingdom of God in our life. The power of the kingdom is found in the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit points it right back to Jesus. Jesus is our passion. Jesus is our love. We sing about Jesus. They're all three one. And when we understand God's kingdom is about the priority of Him, then our life will find more peace and comfort than ever before. What if we changed from God first to God alone? You ever heard the song, In Christ Alone? I love that. Colossians is about Christ being preeminent, not just prominent. What if it was just God, period? You work to get great grades at school, not for a scholarship, not to pass your classes, but you do it for God and God alone. What if at your job you have a, a, a mess of a boss? Don't like him. He's not very nice. Sometimes he's ugly. But yet, you're not going to work for him anymore. You're going to work for God. You're going to do your job. You're going to do the best you can. Because you're not trying to impress him. You're trying to impress him. The God of heaven. What if it was only God and nobody else that you were seeking first? When all this stuff would come up in life and all this stuff would be happening around us, your first perspective, your first question would be this. What does God think? What does God want me to do? You know what we normally say? I'm going to confess. Transparent again. You know what I normally do when I'm walking in the kingdom of this world, in the kingdom of man? Here's what I say. 
I don't have a clue what to do. I am clueless, and I am so worried about this, and I am just, I don't know. I'm not sleeping good, and it's just on my mind all day. That's walking in the kingdom of this world. But when you walk in the kingdom of God, you stop and you go, hmm, I don't know what to do, but God, what do you think? What's your perspective? What should I do? What should I think? Oh, (laughs) you want me to be patient? Thank you, Lord. You're giving me an opportunity to be patient. I don't like having to be patient. But God gives me reasons to be patient so I can understand the patience He has for me. Because I'm a mess. But thanks be to Christ, I've been redeemed. What must I do with this idea that God must be at the center, His kingdom must be first in all things, and I would submit the only kingdom in our life as we live in this one. Well, the first one is this. Seek, go after, try to find, pursue God's view and His will for my life. In everything. Not just church, not just a song, but in everything in your life. Whether it deals with retirement or being unemployed. Seek God in everything. Find out what He wants and what He thinks about it. That's got to be the first step. If God's kingdom is first and we're to seek His kingdom first, you know what that means? We need to try to find out what His kingdom wants and what His kingdom's view is on this particular thing in our life. Pastor, how do I do that? So glad you asked. You spend time with Him. You pray. You read His Word. You study And can I give you the most helpful advice that you will hear when it comes to this? Don't wait. Somebody needs to write this down. Don't wait until there is a crisis. Don't wait until there is a crisis to seek God's direction. Be seeking His direction the whole time. Seeking His will. Seeking to know Him. Seeking to to just... Absorb more about who He is. That's letting God's kingdom be first. The second thing. Not only do we seek God's view and His will for my life, hold with conviction God's view and God's will for your life. See, it's one thing to seek it and to find it. It's another one to actually do something about it. It's another one to say, I'm going to hold to what God has said about this with conviction. Conviction meaning you're not going to sway to the left. You're not going to sway to the right. You're not going to be double-minded. You're not going to be split-minded. You're not going to be McDonald's and Burger King. You're just going to be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Your view is the right view, and I'm going that way, and I'm, I am absolutely convinced I'm not moving from what you have said about this. Even though it makes no sense and everybody thinks I'm crazy, I'm holding on to you, Lord. Holding on to your kingdom. Because Jesus said, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. I don't know if you realize, this one verse, if you want to circle Matthew 6, 33, highlight it, put a star beside it, put a, draw a key next to it if you want. I like the, the key, to, it, it kind of just visually, I know, all right, this keys into the idea that this is a key point in Scripture. Here's why I want you to do that. This one verse is the most critical thing 
Jesus says in the entire Sermon on the Mount. Everything from before and after comes right back to this very point. This is the climax of what he's teaching. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Consider this. We have been seeking our own kingdom for way too long. We've been seeking our own own way of doing things for way too long. And we wonder why we, and I love how Haggai put this, you make money to put it in a purse with holes. I can relate to that. You grow food, but yet the ground yields very little. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd rather be in the center of God's will, in the center of God's view, making His kingdom number one and be struggling and have everybody around me laughing at me than have everybody pleased with the way I act like them. Because I would rather depend on the provisions of the King of Kings than the provisions of other people. The acceptance of other people is not part of the kingdom of God. The acceptance of God is the part of the kingdom of God. All these other things will fall into place. Put God's kingdom first and let the other things just settle. C.S. Lewis said this, Every Christian would agree that a man's spiritual health is in exact proportion to his love for God. C.S. Lewis says some great stuff. Every Christian should agree that a man's spiritual health is in direct proportion to his love for God. And Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. He said, if you love me, if I am first, then what I say matters. Somebody said earlier in the service, God is not good because of the result of what we may pray. Whether it comes out good or whether it comes out bad, that doesn't determine whether God is good. God is good because God is good. And He is the King of the kingdom. The idea of a kingdom means there has to be a king. And I am perfectly okay to be a subject in that kingdom. Jesus said to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. So here's your seven-day challenge. For some of you, this is going to be so easy. For others, this is going to be hard. Add 15 minutes every day. What I mean by that is, if you, if you already spend 10 minutes every day with the Lord, I want you to add 15 every day. You're not tacking it on every day, so you're spending like four hours by the end of the week. What I'm saying is, you'd add 15 to 10, and that would give you how much? 25. So spend 25 minutes with the Lord. Monday, 25 on Tuesday, 25 on Wednesday, 25 on Thursday. Spend just 15 extra minutes. Do you realize how long 15 minutes is? It would take longer than that to get to the Mall of Georgia. It takes longer than 15 minutes for you to leave this church, get in your car, get to a restaurant, sit down and get food in front of you. 
So couldn't we give God just oh, 15 more minutes each day this week? And here's the kicker. I want you to ask him a question. God, what do I have in place of you? What am I prioritizing over you? What is it that I have in a position that it should not be in? It could be a person. It could be a situation. It could be your job. It could be your position. It could be a lot of things. But seek God first. Let Him reveal to you. And those 15 extra minutes will be the best minutes you spend all week long. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you for what you're doing in our life. We thank you for the clarity of your word that we are to seek your kingdom and your righteousness first and foremost above all things. That you are to be preeminent, not one among many, but alone. Christ alone. God alone. The Spirit alone. Father, you are to be the one. You want a relationship with us. You desire it so much. You sent your Son to die on a cross for us. He suffered. He died so that we could access your kingdom and it be number one. Lord, with such sacrifice, why do we struggle to let your kingdom be first? Lord, we become distracted by the acceptance of other people, by not wanting to hurt, by wanting things to be easy. Lord, you never promised life to be easy. But you promised you'd be with us every step of the way. You promised us provisions. You promised to do things that would baffle the minds of people. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you've done. I pray, God, today that if there is anyone who has not surrendered their life to you, that they do it today. Lord, you originally designed us to have a relationship with you, to reflect you. But because of sin, it has broken that relationship. God, you desire us to take the gift. We broke it, but you fixed it. Help us, Father, just ask you to forgive us and take over our life. To be the one that is in control. Father, for those of us who have been distracted by all the stuff in our life, may we surrender one more time everything to you. To say you are God and you alone. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name.